Hey, Voices of a Killer fans, Toby here to talk about an exciting podcast that you might like. If our journey into the minds behind the bars has captivated you, then you'll find Prison Pod equally gripping. It's a podcast that delves deep into the lives affected by incarceration, offering firsthand stories from those on both sides of the cell. Available on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, Prison Pod broadens the conversation around the impacts of jail and prison. Search for Prison Pod wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the real stories of those living a life defined by bars. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin this podcast, Please be advised that the following episode contains language that some listeners may find offensive and inappropriate. The opinions expressed by the host and guests are their own and do not reflect the views of the podcast producers. Listener discretion is advised. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com VOK today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash V-O-K. Or if you'd like, click the link below in the show notes. If you're not guilty, you get to tell the world what happened. If you're guilty, you get to tell the world that you're sorry. This is the first time I've even actually really even told this story. You know what I'm saying? So I have been to prison a few times. I wouldn't call myself a stone cold criminal or anything like that. It was the realest shit I've ever seen. It reminds me of something you see on TV. So you were actually playing around with the gun and put it to somebody's head, joking around and... I'm freaking out. Uh, I'm driving a fucking car with blood all over, glass missing. I asked her to help me, you know, and she did what I asked her to do. You are now listening to the podcast Voices of a Killer. I'm bringing you the stories from the perspective of the people that have taken the life of another human and their current situation thereafter in prison. You will see that although these are the folks that we have been programmed to hate, they all have something in common. 
They are all humans like us that admit that they made a mistake. Will you forgive them or will you condemn them? They are currently serving time for their murders and they give us an inside glimpse of what took place when they killed and their feelings on the matter now. Here are the voices of those who have killed. In this week's episode of Voices of a Killer, we're bringing you an exclusive interview with Jerry Asbell from Hannibal, Missouri. Jerry, who has maintained his silence about the crime for the past two years, is breaking that silence for the first time. News outlets have claimed Jerry's narrative and claim to have an official account of Jerry's crime. But now Jerry has the chance to tell his story in his own words, setting the record straight and reclaiming his narrative about the killing and the chaotic aftermath that followed. In our conversation, we'll trace back Jerry's long history in and out of the criminal justice system. The course of Jerry's life has been marred by his run-ins with the police, and the destructive power of meth has catapulted him down a dark path. All this culminated in the crime that Jerry will recount for us today, and for which he is currently serving 30 years in prison. We'll hear Jerry's account of one turbulent drug-fueled day in August of 2020, the remorse he has for his actions, and his hopes to turn his life around with this second chance he's been given in prison. So sit back and listen closely as Jerry shares his intense story in this episode of Voices of a Killer. So Jerry, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Hannibal, Missouri. Did you grow up there all your life? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much grew up there. I was born in St. Louis, but I grew up in Hannibal, Missouri. How would you describe your childhood? I don't know, a little off, you know what I'm saying? I grew I grew up in an abusive home. Yeah, how's that? It's, it's uh, shit every day. It's, it's eggshells, you know what I'm saying? I was punched and beat for drinking too much Mountain Dew out of the two-liter, you know what I'm saying? So it's just all varied on how my stepfather was that day. Yeah, how old are you right now? I, I just turned 33 here on October 8th. Okay. Were your parents, were they together as when you were a child? My biological father and my mom was together for a while, and then he was he ended up uh, becoming incarcerated. Do you have a relationship with your parents now? I do with my mother. Did you get into drugs and alcohol as a, a young kid or young adult? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did. At what age did you do hard drugs? Hard drugs? I didn't start hard drugs until I was like around 24. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What'd you do whenever you got out of your parents' house? What kind of, did you go to the military? Did you work? So I was incarcerated from the age of 15 to 17, and then I got out when I was 17, and then I lived with my mother for a year, and then I got incarcerated and child as an adult, and I went and did some county time, and then from there, I ended up beating this woman and getting married and having kids with her. What did you go to prison for or get locked up for at 15? Uh, yeah, I went to prison originally the first time for stealing and assault. Do you consider yourself violent? No, I don't. I just seem to get put in violent situations. Hmm. Do you have anger issues? Not usually. I mean, I have before. So after you got out, what was the second stint in prison? What did you go in there that time for? Let's see. Uh, just parole violation. Drugs. What was your drug of choice? Methamphetamines. 
It sounds like, uh, Jerry, that meth is kind of your downfall in your situation. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't disagree at all. I attend to, I feel like I'm a really good person. Uh, I'm very caring. I got a big heart. Uh, but drugs have been my downfall. And, uh, you know, I have, I, I dopeing out, I guess you can say, and I do bad things. How would you, you know, use these this meth? Was it snorting it, smoking it, shooting it? I would smoke it and snort it. Did you engage in a lot of criminal activity whenever you do meth? Uh, so, I mean... I, I not really no. I'm not like so. I have been to prison a few times. I wouldn't call myself a stone cold criminal or anything like that. But yes, I have done my fair share of little things. Many of the challenges we face as adults stem from our childhoods, and this rings true for Jerry Aspill too. In Hannibal, Missouri, Jerry grew up in an abusive and unstable household that laid the foundation for his turbulent adulthood. Jerry's trouble started early. Drugs like meth veered Jerry off course and launched him down a destructive path. He became involved in criminal activity as a teen, landing him in prison for the first time at just the age of 15. By his 20s, Jerry was no stranger to the inside walls of a prison cell. He was a repeat offender with a lengthy prison record and a history of clashing with the criminal justice system. On paper, Jerry might look like a violent, seasoned criminal. But Jerry insists he's not the quote-unquote stone-cold criminal somebody might make him out to be. Rather, he's a good person with a kind heart. That might surprise you when you read about the violent nature of Jerry's crime. In 2020, he shot and killed 32-year-old Amanda Johnston at a cemetery in Monroe City. Well, what's funny is, you know, you say a, a stone-cold criminal, but I'm actually looking at your news article and it's pretty difficult to read because it says that, you know, after y'all parked the car at the cemetery, you pointed a loaded semi-automatic handgun at the victim and pulled the trigger twice, shooting her once in the head. So the article, yes, yeah, so when the article, what happened was, is the first time when the gun was shot, the safety was on. And what happened was is that we was going down the road. So Amanda was driving. I was in the passenger seat. My girlfriend was in the backseat and I was waving the gun around playing with the gun and just playing with it and the safety's on you know what I'm saying and I pull it up and I act like I'm going to pull the trigger or whatnot and then I pull it back up and I'm playing with it again and the gun goes off I did I put it to her head like I was gonna I'm playing with her you know what I'm saying I put it to her head and then somehow somehow I don't know how I managed to get the safety off of it but I took the safety was off and I shot her so you were actually playing around with the gun and put it to somebody's head, joking around and. Yes, I, I, I was. I wasn't like uh, you know. So somebody tried to. So there's a couple different stories out there. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, yes, the the, the incident, the killing itself, yes, was was an accident. Okay. So how did you know the victim? I had met her a, a few different times through through a couple people. I had met her through a buddy of mine that named Cody. <laughs> Yeah, a buddy named Cody, which he's passed away now. Yeah. So the victim was in the vehicle with you, and your girlfriend was in there too. That all, y'all three. Yes. So it was just us three. Yes. So, did you always carry a gun with you? So at this point in time in my life, I was in fact carrying a gun from time to time. Yes. And uh, whenever you put it to her head and was messing around, did your girlfriend say anything like "Stop messing around with"? No. 
no, no, she didn't. You know, and she was all calm. You know, she was calm and cool until until the gun went off, of course. And then when the gun went off, you know, she was driving down the road. We was going about twenty five, thirty miles an hour down the road. Who was I had to hurry. Amanda was. I had to hurry up and throw the car and park. Yes, the victim was driving. Yes, and you were sitting behind her. I was in the passenger. You reached over from passenger seat to driver's seat, put it to her head, and pulled the trigger. Yeah, I mean, yes. Did the prosecutors think that you did it on purpose? So, I, you know what? I don't know. I didn't even. I just took a plea deal because I had so many charges against me. You know, and whenever you shot her, and you said you had to basically jump over there and put the car. You know, did you did you slam the car in park, or did you put your foot on the brake? I had to slam the car in park. I, I at that point in time, I, I had no. I didn't even know what to think, how to think, what to do. When that gun went off, it probably was extremely loud. And what did your girlfriend immediately do as soon as that gun went off? Did she scream? She didn't scream, but she instantly was, uh, she was frightened. She was definitely terrified. It was definitely unexpected. Uh, nobody knew it was going to happen, you know what I'm saying? So it was definitely unexpected. Plus, uh, it, it was definitely loud because all the windows was up until the bullet went through the window. It went through her head and through the window? Yes. Wow. That's crazy. And whenever you finally got the car to stop, how much of a populated area were you in? The fuck, we was in the middle of town. I mean, we, we was literally right next to a house. I was actually on surveillance system. I was on somebody's surveillance system from their house. Holy crap. Yeah, whenever you stopped and, and everything... Did people start gathering around and watching or anything like that? Or what? No, it was, it was about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. What had happened is after I had through the car and park, immediately I looked back at my girlfriend and she's kind of crying. And I'm panicked because, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's just happening. I immediately look at her and I'm like, oh my, I'm like, what the fuck? I said, what are we doing? I, I said, what are we doing? I said, are you going to help me? And she was, you know, and then, you know, I, you know, I get out and I... I put her in the back seat. You put the body in the back seat? Yes, I panicked and put her in the back seat and drove off. So whenever you went around to the driver's side, you opened it up. Did she start to kind of fall out or was she slumped over towards the door? She was slumped over. I had to pull her out. What did your girlfriend do or say whenever you were taking that body and putting it in the back seat? I mean, honestly, she did what she did, but I asked her to do, you know, I asked her to help me, you know, and she did what I asked her to do. At the time, Jerry's crime attracted a buzz of media coverage, and typing Jerry's name into an internet search today pulls up several articles about the case from local news outlets. All of them run in a similar story that goes something like this. On August 5th, Jerry and his girlfriend Jessica offered cash and meth to Amanda Johnston in exchange for a ride to the St. Jude Cemetery in Monroe City. Amanda drove the couple in her black Ford Taurus and parked at the cemetery. Then, Jerry took out a semi-automatic handgun and shot it twice, once fatally in the back of Amanda's head. But Jerry's account challenges how he's portrayed in these online sources. The shooting, Jerry says, was entirely accidental. While the news framed it as a hostile, deliberate murder, Jerry says the gun went off unintentionally while he was toying with it. Amanda had been driving through the middle of town and Jerry had to quickly slam the car and park from the passenger side to avoid a crash. The whole thing was a tragic but unexpected mistake. Of course, there may be more to the story, an argument, a darker motive, 
and Jerry could be downplaying what really happened. But Jerry's story is detailed and vivid enough to be credible, and he deserves a chance to tell his narrative. There's at least one other person who knows the truth, however. Jerry's girlfriend, Jessica, witnessed the shooting from the back seat and agreed to be an accomplice in covering up the killing. More on Jessica's reaction after the break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey everyone, Toby here. Today I want to talk about the relationships that shape our lives. You know, there's this idea that for a relationship to be right, it must be easy. But in reality, the most rewarding relationships are often those we put an effort into nurturing and growing. Whether it's with family, friends, or colleagues, every relationship faces its challenges. It's how we work on ourselves and our interactions with others that truly define the strengths and depths of our connections. Therapy can be a vital tool in navigating these complexities, helping us improve not just our relationships, but also ourselves. In my journey, understanding my own actions and their impact on those around me has been crucial. While I haven't personally used BetterHelp, I've repeatedly seen the transformative power of therapy in helping individuals develop positive coping mechanisms and set healthy boundaries. It's not just about overcoming big challenges. Therapy is about empowerment, learning to be the best version of yourself, and improving how you relate to others. It's a proactive step towards personal growth and healthier relationships. If you're considering therapy, I highly recommend checking out BetterHelp. This service is entirely online, which makes it incredibly convenient and adaptable to your schedule. It starts with a simple questionnaire to match you with a licensed therapist. And the great thing is, you can switch therapists at any time without extra charges. It's all about finding the right fit for you and your unique needs. So whether you're on a journey to find a soulmate or simply aiming to become your own, BetterHelp can be a part of that journey. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-O-K today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-O-K. Or if you'd like, click the link below in the show notes. Join me in exploring the path to self-improvement and stronger, healthier relationships. Was your blood all over you from that? And y'all got her in the back seat. Did your girlfriend get in the front seat with you and y'all drove off? Yeah. Did you ever look back at the body as you drove off? Yes, I had looked back a couple times because, you know, they were still nerves and stuff, you know. From the time you left from putting her in the back seat to your next destination, how far of a drive was that? It was about four minutes or so. What was that discussion like with your girlfriend that, that four minutes? We really didn't speak. You know what I'm saying? I asked her if she was all right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the main thing was is I was trying to make sure she was all right because, you know, she just, she was frightened. She was terrified. You know what I'm saying? And uh, So what, where did y'all go? I went back to Amanda's house. The victim's house. Is anybody at her yes. victim's house? No, nobody was there. I freaked out. I went straight to her house to try to figure out what the next step was going to be. Because, you know, I'm already a convicted felon. I'm not supposed to have a gun. I'm already been arrested for a couple of different assault charges. You know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of known for violence. I'm already, I'm already 12, 12 violent bits, so I'm known for violence. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So panic. You know, I do not call the cops. You know, so I start processing things through my head. 
And so I decided to make a bad decision and make it look like somebody robbed her house. And then from there, I took off to Hannibal. Did you take the body and put it in the house? No, I actually took the body and, well, I originally took the body to Hannibal, but I was, I got caught trying to dump the body in Hannibal, so I had to take the body to Frankfurt, Missouri. So hold on, let's back up. You said you made the house look like it got robbed. Her house, right? Yes. So you just, what did you do? You just tore the place up and took a bunch of stuff? Yeah, I just kind of threw some stuff around and took her TV. And then while this is going on, where's the body at? The backseat. The whole time. Okay. So y'all make the house, her house look like he got robbed. Then you get back in the car with the body and drive to Hannibal. Yes. To go and what, do what with it? Clean, get rid of the body. Where? Well, at this time, I don't. I So everything is just kind of, I'm scattered at this time. You, you know, when. Are you really whacked out on meth? Yeah, actually, at this time, I've been up for nine days. I'm not thinking right. You know, when they say people, usually when they get in a jam or they get uncomfortable, they, they always run to places that they're familiar with. That is very true to me anyways, because I went to straight to a place where I was familiar and comfortable to try to get rid of so, the evidence. So you drove to Hannibal. Where did you try to get rid of the body? You said something like you got caught trying to get rid of it or something. I was actually trying to get rid of the body on on an outside road I was very familiar with when a woman named Doretta Brooks pulled up on me while the body was hanging out the trunk. What did she say? Well, she actually gets very scared. She hollered up at us. and She's, hey, what are you doing up there? And immediately I tell my girl to shut the trunk. So she shuts the trunk. We get in the vehicle and we drive down and I pull up next to this Doretta Brooks. And she instantly freaks out because she's seen a tarp and some hair hanging out the trunk. She knows it's an abandoned wow. house. Somebody's put there. So she automatically, I, I have her statements and everything. So she automatically knows that there's something very, very wrong. Wow. Well, she sees me reach for the gun. As soon as she sees me reach for the gun, she burns out. And then that's when I burn out and I go immediately straight to Frankfurt. So were you going to shoot her? No, I, I, you know, you know what? I wasn't, you know, I, I was going to pull it out though. You know, I just want, I don't, at this point in time, I'm so fucking freaked out. I just want to go home. You know what I'm saying? I so, wish it was all over, so, but you can't, you know, you, yeah, I was just want to scare her pretty much. You know, I didn't want to hurt the woman. You know, yes. I wanted to scare her. So she burns out and you go to Frankfurt, you said? Yep. I go straight. I immediately hop on 61 and go straight to with, Frankfurt to dump the, the body. With the body and the hair hanging out of the back? No, I, I actually, I had to have my girlfriend get back out the car and shut the trunk for a second time because it opened back up. That's how the, the woman named Doretta Brooks uh, had seen everything. Wow. So y'all make it to Frankfurt? Yes. What was in Frankfurt? Well, I drive about 15 miles up the road and I, I, I drive, I throw it off this cliff. I throw the body off the cliff. You pull off on a random place. You grab yes. the body and y'all are both walking the body over to the edge of a cliff? Uh, it's like a drop-off, yes. It's like a drop-off cliff, yes. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And what were y'all, your girlfriend's like really on board with all this and she's... You know, I don't know what was going through her head. Maybe she was scared. Maybe she was scared and she thought that she had to do what I told her to do. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't know. I can't really speak for her, what she was really feeling. Now, I have spoke to her since she has. She is out right now. She had the opportunity to. We was actually at a gas station when Amanda was still in the backseat. And I sent Jessica in to buy gas and cigarettes. And she could have told the clerk, hey, there's a dead body in the backseat. Dude's got a gun. I'm scared. I'm scared to death. Please help me. But she didn't. She bought the cigarettes and the gas, and she came right back to the car, and we burnt out. She, she did a but lot she was help. probably she, scared. She didn't just burn, you know, help you get cigarettes and burn out. She also threw a body off the cliff and made sure the hair wasn't in the out of the trunk. I mean, that was a lot of stuff. Wow. So how much time did she do? Well, she wrote statements on me, and she was going to go to trial and testify on me. So she, they gave me 30. And they, she took a total of, I think, 11 years. I think she got seven for that charge. And I believe it was for tampering with evidence slash improper disposable of a body is what she got. And I believe it was seven years. Although shooting Amanda was an accident, going to the police was out of the question in Jerry's mind. As a convicted felon with multiple assault charges to his name, Jerry knew that police would immediately villainize and arrest him. But with a dead body sitting in the back seat of a bloody car, things were looking dire for Jerry. His single objective became to dispose of the evidence quickly. By this point, Jerry had been awake for nine days straight. In a blur of drug-induced panic and exhaustion, Jerry acted impulsively. He decided to frame Amanda's death as a robbery gone wrong by trashing the inside of her house and taking a few items of value. Then, Jerry looked to dispose of Amanda's body. In times of crisis, people often turn to the places that they know best. That was true for Jerry, who drove out east to his hometown of Hannibal and tried to dump the body at an abandoned house. After an unexpected encounter with a neighbor, Jerry was then forced to drive south to the remote edges of Frankfurt. Here, 
he pushed Amanda's remains off a cliff and into a ravine close to a rock quarry. Throughout all of this, Jessica remained by Jerry's side. Without talking to her, we can't know Jessica's true motives. Was she genuinely happy to assist or was she afraid of Jerry? Either way, Jessica complied and actively helped Jerry conceal his crime, effectively making her an accessory to the murder. The ride home, I imagine, must have felt deeply uncomfortable. Whenever y'all toss the body off the cliff and you get back in the car, what's the discussion then? There really is none. You know, at this point, you know, I'm so fucking high. You know what I'm saying? We just, I mean, we just threw a body off a cliff. You know what I'm saying? What, what does somebody really say to each other? You know what I'm saying? I did ask her if she was all right. You know, I lit a cigarette. You know, I handed it to her. I tried to make her feel comfortable. You know what I'm saying? But what, what do you do at the, at the situation like that? Nobody knows what to do with the so, situation at that. Right. You know I'm saying and, nobody's and, prepared for that. Yeah. And okay. So where's y'all's next destination after y'all dispose of the body off the cliff? At this point in time, it's, it's it's getting early in the morning. It's starting to hit daylight. I'm freaking out. Uh, I'm driving a fucking car with blood all over it, glass missing. I don't have a cell phone. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make it back to Monroe City. So instantly I go to this car wash. And I'm thinking maybe if I spray all the blood off from the outside and the inside and vacuum all the hair, blood, and DNA out, maybe I could just go drop the car off and maybe I can just go home and this will all be over with. And that's pretty much what I thought was going to go down. So you wash out the car and you go drop it back off at the victim's house? No, I I parked it in the trailer park at a, at a abandoned trailer where I live. So you abandoned the car uh, after you washed it? Yeah. And where'd you go after that? I went straight to my trailer. What'd you do that day after all that happened? Did you finally settle down and spun out and went to sleep? Did you... Well, I actually, I went straight to my trailer and then I had got a ride. And then after that ride, I went to the bank, and then from the bank, I went to the pharmacy. Well, when I got to the Abel's gas station, the police surrounded me and the person I was with, and he ended up going on a high-speed chase, and then I ended up taking off, and I within the next five hours, I ended up fucking kidnapping somebody and everything else and holding them hostage. So did you, where'd your girlfriend go? Did you, y'all part ways? That, well, she at this time she's still at the trailer. Uh, I'm I'm out running around and uh, I, I'm actually ducking, dodging the police at this point in time. But she's still at the trailer and I'm over still by this gas station. Okay, so whenever the cops pull up, I guess you were out of the vehicle and he was in it. He takes off. You go on foot. Where's the first place that you go running from the cops? And and also uh, were the cops on the foot foot chase with you? Well, no, they let me go. So I, I actually had lied to the police. I had I actually lied to the police and said I was going to meet task force, and they let me go. Oh, is that like a probation thing? No, nah, task force is like drug task force. You know what I'm saying? So I had told them I was going to meet task force, and they just had let me go and chase the dude I was with on the high-speed chase. And so I had ran straight to this chick's house. She wasn't there. Then I got a ride to the trailer park, got some different clothes, and then I went back to that chick's house. And then by the time I made it back to her house, she was there. So you knew to go get different clothes on and everything to make yourself look different, huh? Yeah, I mean, yes. And you said you kidnapped somebody. Where did you do this at? Well, so here's I didn't. So they say I kidnapped her. So here's what had happened. I had went to this chick's house where I was hiding from the police for, you know what I'm saying? And while I'm there, you know, I have been up for a while, and I end up falling asleep. While I'm asleep, 
she goes through my pockets and she takes all my money and, and all my stuff out of my pockets. Well, when I wake up, I wake up to my girlfriend waking me up. Hey, where's where's your money at? Where's where's this at? Where's that at? And I'm like, in my pockets. Well, she wakes me up. She says, there ain't nothing in your pockets. So I instantly get up and I flip the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been at this chick's house. The only person here is her. And she went through my pockets in my sleep. So what I had did was take her phone from her, and I told her I was going to break her phone and her TV if she didn't give me, you know, my money. And she tried to tell me she didn't have my money, so I went through her house. I ransacked her house, and I didn't find it. Well, I decided to go through her house one more time, and when I went back to her house the second time, I found my money, half of it. So that's when I freaked out on her. And then she started, as soon as I got loud with her and told her I wanted my money, she instantly started beating my girlfriend up at the time. She grabbed her by the hair and started beating her ass. Well, the woman, which was her name was Sarah, she was roughly, you know, 220, 230, you know, and my girlfriend at the time was nothing but 120 pounds. So while the girl was beating my girlfriend's ass, I had to shove her on the ground to get her off my girlfriend. And then I told her to remain on the ground. And then at that time she was crying. And then I snapped back to reality and I felt bad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, girl, are you okay? And then she asked for her phone. And, you know, of course I felt bad. And I'm like, are you, you know, are you going to call the police? And she said, no. So I gave her her phone, you know what I'm saying? And uh, she texted her friend and her friend called the police. And the police showed up at that trailer? Not at that trailer, at the house, I got arrested. If you actually look at the newspaper article, it's going to show me getting arrested at a house. So whenever they arrested you, did you put up a fight and try to run? No. No, I didn't. I knew when when I heard a knock at the door, and I and Jessica answered the door. I'm in the back bedroom, and I heard, is Jerry here? And she, I know she shook her head because I seen her shadow. The surreal hours after Amanda's death sound like something out of an action movie or a cop show. Within less than 24 hours of killing Amanda, Jerry found himself caught up in two close calls with Monroe City Police. The first unfolded on the city streets when officers were investigating a burglary that had happened at a storage complex. When they approached Jerry and his friend, the friend fled on foot, prompting a short-lived police chase. Luckily, Jerry got let off lightly Officers let him go when he claimed to be on his way to a drug program. But Jerry's run-ins with police didn't end there. Later, around 10 p.m. that evening, a second incident took place where Jerry was involved in an altercation with a friend at her house. Police responded to a call and found the friend battered with a foot injury, claiming that Jerry had beaten her and chased her around the house with a knife. Two social security cards and a food stamp that didn't belong to Jerry were found on his person. Officers led Jerry with his arms raised out of the house on Charles Street and took him and Jessica into custody. Within less than a day of killing Amanda, Jerry had twice caught the attention of the Monroe City Police. But now, as the officers served him charges of kidnapping and assault, they were unaware that the man they had caught was also Amanda Johnston's killer. After the break, we'll hear about how investigators discovered the truth.
So the police are there to arrest you for a kidnapping, not a murder. So, no, actually, I wasn't a prime suspect. The dude, someone else was actually a prime suspect. For how long? For a little while, actually, until I mean, at least for seventy-two hours. You know what I'm saying? Oh, seventy-two hours. They then they figured out it was you. Pretty much, yes. Did they pull you out of your jail cell uh, from the other charges and question you about it? Yeah, actually, after about 48 hours, 72 hours in, into uh, being on this kidnapping, I get uh, a warrant for first-degree murder with an ACA, and it was pretty real, you know. So did your girlfriend have anything to do with it? No, she had no clue anything was going to I mean, it was all an accident. Nobody knew nothing was going to happen, you know what I'm saying? It just it just happened. She, she absolutely did not know anything was going to happen. Yeah. Did they pull you out of your cell, though, and question you about it? Yes. Did you lie or did you confess? I, I lied. For how long? I mean, I, this is the first time I've even actually even really even told this story. You know what I'm saying? So what did you tell them? I told her she was probably in St. Louis somewhere. So whenever you were in jail and the cops basically questioned you about everything, you told them a different story? give them a story. I just told them I didn't know. So they already knew she was dead because of the amount of blood they found in the vehicle. Yeah. So, he, you know, they knew she was dead. Well, did they ever try to say that you did it on purpose? No. No, they did. So I, I only I only got interviewed twice. And on my second interview, he showed me a video of me at the car wash cleaning the car out. So as soon as the, the homicide detective wanted to show me that video, Instantly, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck, I need a lawyer, you know? Yeah. And then, so, I mean, at, at that time, I didn't really have a story or a statement or anything because, you know what I'm saying, I said I needed a lawyer. So, I just never, after that, nobody's asked me for a story or anything, you know what I'm saying? My lawyers didn't even ask me for a story. What they did was they considered Jessica's story 110% credible because she took him to the body. She was able to pinpoint locations at certain times, and then after she did that, they was able to locate me on certain video surveillance at gas stations and, and the car wash and, and certain situations like that. So she was able to pinpoint all that, so they made it up. She was credible. So it was either, you know, she told them a story, and, and that's what the story was, you know? So, Jerry, the girlfriend at the time had helped you with the body and everything. Did you Do you still have a relationship with her? So I do call her from time to time and talk to her. The last time I spoke with her was probably uh, I don't know, three weeks ago or four weeks ago or so. Ultimately, it was Jessica who caused Jerry's downfall. The Northeast Missouri Major Case Squad had been activated after Amanda was pronounced missing and they had been pursuing other leads. But Jessica's confession became pivotal in their investigation. Although she had initially helped Jerry in the cover-up, Jessica admitted to helping Jerry hide the body after killing Amanda. Not only this, but she also guided investigators directly to Amanda's hidden remains in Pike County. Surveillance footage helped to pin Jerry to the specific locations and corroborated Jessica's story. The investigators then built a strong case that implicated Jerry in Jessica's killing. Faced with the evidence against him, Jerry realized the severity of his situation. He sought a lawyer and chose to stay silent as investigators charged him with first-degree murder and armed criminal action. To this day, Jerry has maintained his silence, never trying to clarify or set the record straight 
on his crime, even during the prelude to his trial. Whenever uh, they came to you with a plea deal, what was the plea deal? The plea deal was second-degree murder, 30 years. And you took that plea deal? Well, at first, you know, I tried to counteroffer. You know, I wanted to take 25, you know what I'm saying? I tried to, you know, I tried to take 20. I tried to take 25, you know what I'm saying? I told him that, you know, of course, you know, that, you know, it was, you know, and it was an accident, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like second degree is not accident. Uh, I mean, you intentionally. No, I mean, no, I mean, so it it went from first degree capital, you know, premeditated, and then it got dropped down to second degree, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I couldn't get, you know, dropped to nothing else. Yeah. But I just I took the deal. They just didn't want to hear any story from me. One of us had to be convicted, and you know it was it was me. So did you? Uh, did the victim's loved ones were they in the courtroom? Yes. Did they say or read a victim's victim's? Impact? Oh my! It was the realest shit I've ever seen. It reminded me of something you see on TV, and you know when you watch some TV shows and about how you know people go to court and their loved ones, you know, come to court with a big old bulletin board and stories and pictures and how this and how you're a monster and how you took my daughter from me. That's how it really was. They actually drugged me out the courtroom. Soon as I pled guilty, soon as I said guilty and took thirty years. The whole courtroom actually started it started getting riled up. They actually drug me out the courtroom. I didn't even get a chance to talk to my lawyer. Yeah. So that was pretty intense in there? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What's that feel like looking back now? You know, you're all spun out and, you know, you took some... Oh, man, I feel very horrible, right? Especially for her kids. Because, you know, regardless of what kind of person you are, you know, you're, you're still your kid's hero. You can be a hoe, you can be a dope fiend, you can be a, you know, you can even be a sex offender, you can be whatever. You know, your kids are always going to love you, no matter who you are. So, you know, her kids, they lost their hero, you know what I'm saying? So I feel bad about that. And I got a bunch of kids myself, and they know why I'm incarcerated and everything else like that. Not only that, you know, I mean, there's so many victims out there, it's crazy. You know, I've hurt so many people. I don't know how remorseful you think I am. I mean, I do, I do, I do feel bad. You know what I'm saying for the kids, for, for you know, like I said, there's there's many victims I created. You know. And here's the best way to explain it: if you're not guilty, you get to tell the world what happened. If you're guilty, you get to tell the world you're sorry. You know what I mean? That's basically what you're doing. Yes. At first, Jerry's public defender advised Jerry to plead not guilty and proceed to trial, but Jerry was offered a settlement. He pled guilty to second-degree murder in exchange for the prosecutors dropping his other charges of first-degree murder, kidnapping, assault, and armed criminal action. At his court appearance in Warren County Circuit Court, Judge Jason Lamb sentenced Jerry to 30 years in prison, of which he must serve 85% before being eligible for parole. The trial also provided a platform for Amanda's family to voice their heartbreak. Through victim statements, the family expressed the pain they felt at losing a mother and daughter and directed their anger towards Jerry for taking her life. While there's nothing Jerry can say or do to bring Amanda back, he expresses a newfound sense of remorse for his actions and shows that he's shouldered his guilt over the past few years. Suddenly, my interview with Jerry is abruptly interrupted. Somebody in the prison is calling for the inmates to collect their meds early, and Jerry asked to call me back later. It's a jarring reminder of the prison world which will be Jerry's reality for the next 25 years. 
Many times, Jerry's life has intersected with prison, and he's a product of a broken justice system and has been caught in a pattern of reoffending. Could the next few years finally be the opportunity Jerry needs to start a fresh new chapter in his life? Do a lot of people take meds? Yeah, actually, so a lot of people that's incarcerated take a lot of medication, and some of them have issues, and then some of them don't have issues. But, you know, there's a lot of people here that take a lot of medications, and not all of them are psych medications, neither. You know, some of them are, are health meds. Do you see a lot of mental, mental illness around you? Where I'm at right now, yes. So I'm actually, at this point in time in my life, I'm actually in a program house, and I'm a DLA, which is daily living assistance. And what I do is I help elderly and people that can't take care of themselves. So I see a lot of disabled and I see a lot of insane. So whenever you get to prison and basically you realize, you know, you're going to do the next at least 25 years in there, right? Yeah, I got to do 25 and a half before I'm eligible for parole. Do you think you deserve to be out on the streets? You know, if you did math again, would you go off the handle? I mean, what do you think? I am getting another chance, you know, in 25 and a half years. I will get another chance at the age of 57. When I go back out there, if I get a chance to go back out there, I mean, who's to say cancer or, you know, my health don't unravel. But if I do get another chance to go back out there, I am going to go back out there and do something different. It's just crazy, you know, riding and playing with a gun and shooting somebody in the head and then throwing them off a cliff. And that's a crazy story, man. And now you're sitting in prison for half your life which is even crazier because really you spent a great deal of your life in prison as it is. So really your most of your adult life is just marked by the system and a ward of the state, you know? Yes. I hope you can turn your life around in there, man. Uh, If you can get out, Uh, meth is a terrible drug. It seems like it puts so many people in prison and just destroys everything. And it's uh, just a nasty drug. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you know what, so since, since, so since we're on this, right, and I'm going to be on this podcast, which, you know, if you can make a note of it, which I'm sure Amanda's family ain't going to hear that. But, you know, I, I, do, I do give a shout out to her family, and I do apologize. You know, you can't really, what do you say when you kill somebody? What do you say to their family? You know, sorry, don't cut it. But I, I, think, I, think, I am sorry. I think you're right. There's not much you can say, but what you can do is just try to, do better and, and be a you know a role model in prison, I guess. And then whenever you get out, be a role model in the streets. I, I think that's one way to do it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And, it, and believe it or not, her brother is actually here at this camp. I've actually met him because uh, he knew who I was. You know, I had to kind of pull up on him and talk to him about it, you know, and I apologize to him as well, you know. Yeah, but uh, I appreciate yeah. you uh, talking with me and... Um, if you ever need something, give me a holler, but hope you do better. I appreciate it. You have a good one, Toby. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. On the next episode of Voices of a Killer. If I could go back and change everything, I would. I kind of felt like they were outcasts like I was. Did you think they were going to kill you? Yeah, I really did. Did you think about calling the police? I couldn't. Did you call the police? No. I wake up tossing and turning and kicking 
and it's just, I see blood and glints of metal and I hear screaming. When you walked into that house, what did it feel like? It felt haunted. That's a wrap on this episode of Voices of a Killer. I want to thank Jerry for sharing his story with us today. His ability to be open and honest is what makes this podcast so special. If you want to listen to these episodes weeks in advance, you can now do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash voices of a killer. There you will get access to raw interviews, unseen news coverage, and unique correspondence with the guests of Voices of a Killer. Head over to patreon.com slash voices of a killer to support the podcast. Your support is what keeps us passionate about bringing these stories to you. A big shout out to Sonic Futures, who handled the production, audio editing, music licensing, and promotion of this podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this one, make sure to visit our website at voicesofakiller.com. There you can find previous episodes, transcripts, and additional information about the podcast. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and reach new listeners. Thank you for your support, and we can't wait to share more stories with you in the future. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Toby, and we'll see you next time on Voices of a Killer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, listeners, Toby here. We have a special announcement just for you. Voices of a Killer is launching its very own Patreon page, an exclusive platform that allows you to dive even deeper into the darkest corners of these gripping tales. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to a wealth of exciting bonus content and behind-the-scenes exclusives that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Picture this, at our lowest tier, you can have access to further content with exclusive letters, photos, and correspondence that have never been seen by the public before. At our producer tier, you will have the opportunity to engage with the team, participate in Q&A polls, and receive updates on upcoming episodes and developments. This tier is perfect for those who have a keen interest in the production process and want to be a part of shaping the show's future. You'll also have your name read at the end of our latest episodes. How cool. At the next tier, you'll have all this and the opportunity to join in our once-in-a-month video chat Q&A session with me, the host, and our production team. 
allowing you to engage directly with the creators and further satisfy your curiosity. And for our premium tier, you'll have all this and the ability to listen to exclusive unedited raw interviews to really hear the true voices of our podcast. So if you're ready to unlock a world of extra content, head over to patreon.com slash voices of a killer now and choose the tier that best suits your craving for true crime. Your support will not only fuel our passion for storytelling, but also enable us to bring you even more thrilling narratives and the voices that are waiting to be heard on Voices of a Killer.